0: We have Fred Schatzoff with us here today. Fred is with a company called Everest Business Capital. So head over to his website if you'd like some more information about him and his team. But uh, Fred, we're going to talk a little bit about different ways to finance real estate and how how to run some of these basic numbers because you even had kind of an interesting story before we hit record on some of the experiences you've had. But really appreciate your time here today, Fred. Thank you,
1: Jack. I appreciate you having me on. I look forward to us talking and educating your audience and, you know, being of service to anyone who is looking to get into real estate investing.
0: Yeah. So let's, let's break down what you and your company do quick. Do you uh, finance on every stage of the process, whether it's rental properties, fix and flips? What, what is your company take Correct.
1: care. Correct. basically what we do we're, we're we're a nationwide lender. We're actually a broker. So what we do is we you know, we find the best lenders out there for the clients and you know, what I do is I actually do the vetting out there before you know, you and the reason I call it vetting is because you I'm always getting calls from people that want me to do business With them, and and I can tell usually within two minutes into the conversation whether these people know what they're doing or not. I mean, if somebody says, "Well," if you ask them a question about something and they'll say it depends, well, that's not a good answer. I mean, you know, how about you know explain a little more about your products? Or here, here's a better one. I get people that say, "Well, I'm a private lender." I can loan you money at 4% for 30 years. And I'm saying to myself, well, right now that's not where the market is because if you're buying an owner occupied property, rates are about five and a quarter to five and a half percent. And on an investment property, rates are always higher. So I'm saying, well, I know this person is not real. Nobody's loaning money out at 4%. So I kind of know. Right away, if this is a company that I want to do business with, do they return phone calls? Or are they responsive? If they don't know the answer, that's fine. They can say, Look, I'm going to check with someone in my company and I will get back to you. So that's kind of what we do. And, you know, we work with someone, whether they're a brand new investor or want to do a first time fix and a flip, or they want to buy a long term. Term key rental, we can help them with that as well. Or if they want to do what we call the Burr strategy, where they're going to buy the property, fix it up, then turn it into a long-term rental. So, one of the things that I say to every investor that I talk to—some listen, some don't. Even if you're, you know, experienced, before you proceed with a deal, why don't you call me, run the numbers? By me, and let's make sure it works. It's better to have a second set of eyes, take a look at, you know, a deal as compared with you think that you're all set to go, and then you're not set to go, because, you know, there's a lot of different things that are involved, you know, plus, you know, some people think, oh, I don't need any money to go into real estate. Well, you do, so, you know, that's why I try to, you know, educate people, and, you know, say to somebody, don't ever feel funny calling me. No question is a silly question. If you have that question, I'm sure somebody else has that question as well. Because if you've never done something before, you know, you're going to have a lot of questions and that's okay. So that that's kind of what we do here and how we work with people, whether you're new or experienced.
0: Yeah, what do they say? The only silly question is the one that's not asked?
1: You're, absolutely. It's better to ask it and, you know, get your answer rather than don't answer it. And then all of a sudden you get yourself into a situation and now you can't get out of that situation. So, you know, you want to be an educated consumer and you want to know what to expect and you want to know what the process is going to be.
0: The brokerage model is kind of an interesting one because, you know, it's kind of a way to shop multiple options because they can come to you, Fred, right? And and you've already kind of shopped around. You have an idea of what each one of these lenders have like the best option for different scenarios compared to going one-offs and then trying to fit into different scenarios in in every case.
1: Correct. No, I mean, to give you a little about my background, I mean, I've been in real estate in one form or another since the 80s. For a while, I sold real estate. Then I got into regular FHA, VA, conventional loans, and I've worked for a mortgage banker. I've worked for a mortgage broker. Honestly, it makes a lot more sense to work for a broker because a lot of times you have a lot more products that are available as compared with if you go to a bank if you don't fit into that box, you know, you're not gonna qualify and you're not gonna get that loan. So that that's the difference here with what I do versus someone who might work for maybe a hard money lender and they only work for that hard money lender. And if you don't fit into their box, they're not gonna do the loan for you. And you know, in addition to that, you know, some of these people They're there from 9 to 5, and that's it. Somebody can call me on the weekends. They can call me at night. And, you know, if somebody sounds a little hesitant, well, you know, why don't you tell me a little bit more about what your problem is or what your issue is so we can try to figure out a solution here to get you funded. Sometimes I'll say, you know what, maybe you need to get a credit card or maybe you need to get a money Partner or something along those lines. That you know, I try to let people down gently as compared with you know a flat out no. You know, say to them maybe if you do this, you know maybe if you you know save some additional money. Like people will say my credit is low. Well, why is your credit low? What's causing it to be low? I mean, I'll give you an example. I had a woman. She told me her credit score was like. 580. I said, Well, why is it so low? Well, first of all, I'm behind on my bills. I've been paying late on my credit cards. Um, So I said to her, Look, the first thing you really need to do is get your credit cards current and get your bills caught up. You don't want to take on any more debt if you're in a situation like that. And, you know, it turns out the woman only had a thousand dollars. To work with. So I said to her, look, maybe you should consider doing wholesaling for a while to build up some cash and get your bills caught up. I mean, why take on additional debt if you're behind and you can't even keep up with your current debt? Because you have to assume worst case scenario, what if that tenant leaves and now you don't have a tenant? Then what do you do? You still have to make that mortgage payment. You can't say to the mortgage company, well, I don't have the tenant here. I can't make the mortgage payment. Well, you know what? then they're going to foreclose on you. So, you know, I I try to take a little bit of an educational approach with people.
0: Right? So, you know, it's kind of interesting you brought up a, an example of of what people need to do, you know, that whether it's a personal credit as a as a broker broker it's kind of an interesting concept as well because depending on these hard money lenders and the way these different financial institutions do it, they can be pinging your personal credit history quite a bit uh, you know like i said depending on their underwriting guidelines that can cause a pro- negative impact on your credit history as well so going to a one-stop shop such as yourself really kind of limits that to us to a certain extent but what sure. other what other things are should a person know before they before they approach a broker or a or okay. a lender so, such as yours.
1: One, one, one of the things is the following, okay? All, all of these loans are either to an LLC or a corporation. So you should try to have that LLC or that corporation formed before you go out and start looking. But if you don't, that's okay because technically you could form an LLC today and buy a property tomorrow because we're not asking for proof of income with These loans, so Mm -hmm. that's one thing you need to think about and be prepared that you're going to have to have an LLC in order to proceed, or a corporation. You know, we talked about credit. If somebody says, Well, I'm really not sure, you know, what's going on with my credit, I'll say, Well, you know, do you have credit karma? Do you have a credit monitoring service? If you do, I'll send you an email and then you could get me your credit karma report so I could review it with you and we can take a look and see what's going on, if there is anything that does need to be fixed before we proceed. Another thing is, you know, do you have money that is available to use for down payment and closing costs? Now, sometimes somebody might say no. I might say, well, let me ask you a question. Do you have a home equity line of credit? If so you know how much do you owe on that you could use a home equity line of credit to invest in real estate do you have money that's in a self-directed IRA or a 401k or do you have a cash value life insurance plan? Do you have family members who may be able to help you Maybe you can put them on the LLC or the corporate well so you know th- those are some things that you want to know. Plus, you want to have a basic idea of what are the numbers that the lender is going to look at. I mean, as an example, if you're doing a fix and a flip, typically the lender is going to loan you anywhere from 80 to 90% of the total cost of the project. What we mean by that is the purchase price plus the rehab. Typically, they'll loan you 80 to 90%. And then the maximum ARV has to be 70 to Now, what do we mean by the ARV? That's the after repair value. So the numbers have to make sense as far as that's concerned. Just like on a rental property, okay? Typical down payment is 20 to 25% of the purchase price, but then the property has the debt service. What we mean by that is that your principal and interest taxes and insurance, you don't know, have to be greater than. The mortgage payment, obviously, if it's not, the deal's not going to make sense. Now, sometimes somebody might say the property is vacant. Okay, what's fair market rental on the property? Or there are tenants in there, okay? Are the tenants on a month-to-month basis, or are they on a lease? If they're on a month-to-month basis, well, how much are they paying on a month-to-month basis how much do you think fair market rental is going to be when you are done, when you get the tenants out there, you know, because we, you need to know all those numbers. Another thing to keep in mind is, you know, if you're going to buy an investment property, you know, try to see if you can buy a two, three or a four family. The reason I say that is you're always going to have some tenants moving in and out. If you have a single family or a condo and they leave, Now you have no rental income as compared with a two, three, or a four, you know, you're still going to have the rental coming in from the other units. So those are some things that you want to keep in mind as well. So, I mean, some people focus strictly on Section 8 properties. Those are good as well because you know that you're going to get the money no matter what. So, You know, those are those are just some things that you need to think about before you do anything, because on the investment side, it's all about the numbers as compared with if you're buying a property that you're going to live in. It's about location. You can't get wrapped up on an investment property and say, gee, I don't like this kitchen. I don't like these cabinets. Well, you know what? Somebody's happy there and they're paying the rent. Does it really matter? You're not living there. So so don't get emotionally involved. You got to look at, you know, um, what are the numbers? And, you know, you obviously want to make sure it's a fairly safe area as well. You certainly don't want to have all sorts of crime going on and people, you know, going in and out of there as well. So, you know, you do need to educate yourself on the area, just like. When you're buying a property that you're going to own or occupy,
0: so you know you you gave kind of an example at the beginning before we hit record. Like, can you give us an example of somebody who may not have had all of their ducks in a row, and and you kind of sure. had to educate them a little bit on, on sure. some of the numbers? Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I recently had somebody call me, and the you know I've never spoken with this woman, but she must be on my email list. So she said I found the property. It's okay. The property is about 70, but it's vacant. It's okay. Doesn't need repairs. Yeah, it needs about thirty thousand dollars in repairs. What do you think the ARV is going to be? Eighty-five. I said to her, Well, you got a property that you know the total cost of the property is a hundred thousand. When you're done with the repairs, it's gonna be worth 85. Those numbers are not gonna work. You're gonna to have to get the property price down to about $30,000 in order to make this work. Otherwise, it's not going to work because no lender is going to loan you money based upon losing numbers like that. Now, I also said to her, well, you know, what's your credit like? Well, my credit is someplace around the 580. Well, why is your credit 580? Well, I'm behind on my bills. You know, they were about to repo my car. I said to her, well, first of all, you really need to get your bills caught up. and Make sure your car does not get repoed. I said, why would you want to take on additional debt when you can't even pay the debt you know that you have right now? Some, some people think because it's hard money that they're not going to check your credit. Well, they are going to check your credit. I mean... They're not going to scrutinize it as much as when you're buying a primary residence, but you can't be behind on bills. You can't be in foreclosure. You can't be in bankruptcy or anything along those lines. Plus you have to have some money again for down payment and closing costs. A lot of people watch these late night shows to talk about buying real estate with no money down. Well, It really doesn't work. You really can't buy real estate with no money down. The only way you can buy money with real estate with no money down is if you buy an owner-occupied property and you're a veteran of the armed services and then you have to get the seller to pay the closing costs. Right now in this market, you're not going to be able to do that. Now, when I first started, we did have a lot of veterans that bought houses that way. We also have people doing FHA loans three and a half percent down and have the seller pay closing costs. Now on these investment properties, could you get the seller to pay the closing costs? Yeah. I mean, it it doesn't happen too often. Not right now. I mean, it may change later on down the road, but again, you got to, you know, have a little bit of a basic understanding of the math here. I mean, Somebody should say they, they've taken a course and they've studied. Did you not pay attention in the class when you go through the numbers? I mean, this is a deal you really should be walking away from as compared with, you know, going with the deal. You know, mm-hmm. but again, you know, that's what happens when somebody, you know, wants to goes to put an offer in without even talking to a lender to get at least pre-qualified, I mean, and let somebody else look at the numbers because you really need to know those numbers. You, you need to have a good contractor if you're doing a fix and a flip because you, you want to be as accurate as you can with what the cost of your repairs are going to be.
0: Yeah, and sometimes it seems like, you know, a lot of people, when they run some of these numbers, like in that scenario, it's it's a, it, we as humans will just do anything out of desperation, including justifying those numbers. in our mind... She probably thought that this was going to work. Or
1: some people just right away want to get into the real estate market and be a real estate investor. But, you know, it does take some skill. It does take a little bit of knowledge, you know. Plus, you need to have a good team, as they say, you know, because you need a good lender. Someone like myself, you need a good real estate agent who works with investors And you need a good contractor because, you know, even if you buy a turnkey rental, something's going to happen no matter what. I mean, Mm. you know, it's it's the same thing with your own primary residence. Something is going to happen. So, you know, those are just some things you really need to keep in mind here.
0: Right. Well, give us another example of like somebody who came to you who, may have had a better deal than they realized, or you were able to get them kickstarted and, and now they're successful in the real estate investing.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I'll give you an example. I had a real estate investor. I mean, he owned a number of rental properties in Georgia that were section eight properties. Okay. Now he decided he wanted to get into the fix and the flip arena. Now, He had never done this before. You know, the first time we spoke, we probably were on the phone. An hour and a half, I explained the whole process to him. You know, he understood the numbers. He got it. You know, and a few weeks later, he called me. He says, I think I found a property. So we went through... The numbers and this this guy was very conservative, thinking the property was going to be worth I don't know two hundred. after repairs, the appraisal came back at about two. He ended up finishing up the property, and I think he sold the property for about two ninety. You know, then he came back to me and he did this three or four times the exact same thing. He found one particular area in New Jersey, a particular county, and that's where he buys all of his properties. And it makes a lot of sense because you really get to know the area. And he actually, on a number of these properties, actually had workers that wanted to buy the property before it was even done the rehab. Now the first time that he did it he, he really didn't have you know a lot of great contacts with contractors and he had one contractor that started and then the guy never came back and luckily he was able to he built some relationships with some contractors in that area and he was able to from there build a good team <clears throat> a good team of contractors so again You know, people started to know him in that area. And one of the things that he did was, you know, he got signs made and put coming soon on these properties that he was working on. And people came there to look at it. And, you know, he said you could go take a look at some of these other properties. And he built a little portfolio book with before and after properties, which makes a lot of sense as well. If you're going to be selling, fixing and flipping properties, let people see a little bit of a portfolio. So at least they see that you do nice work and you're doing the repairs on the property. I mean, because A, you don't want to over-improve, but B, you don't want to, you know, under-improve. And, you know, you want to put good quality cabinets and good quality stuff in, the bathroom as well because people will notice that right away. You know, as they say, if somebody drives up to the house and the outside looks nice, chances are they're probably going to want to go inside and see the house. So, you know, obviously if it's spring or summertime, you know, make sure the landscaping is nice. Now, if it's the winter and there's snow on the ground, okay, make sure your sidewalk and your driveway is shoveled. I mean, obviously, certain other things you can't control. I mean, but, you know, appearance is everything. So, the people see you do quality work. So, you know, that was a guy who had never, never done fix and flips before and wanted to get into it. And, you know, he had good people helping him with the numbers. You know, obviously, they The first one is always the hardest. It's like a kid learning how to ride a bike. You know, the first time you do it, you're falling down many, many times. It's the same thing here when you do a fix and a flip. You know, make sure you build a little bit of a contingency in there because no matter how good you are, you never know what's going to be behind those walls and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. That's something you don't have any control over. So, you know, make sure you do have some reserves there mm-hmm. as well.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting that especially in that story where, uh, and I can't emphasize that enough, is finding your niche to begin with. And 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 more times than not, that niche is starting in your backyard, understanding that specific market. How many, you, you mentioned uh, those late night programs on how to get rich quick or buy real estate with no money down. Another one of those myths that I've seen is the, the concept that you can do this in a virtual environment across the nation and, and anywhere and everywhere. That's all fine and good, but if you don't understand those markets you're trying to get into, you're asking for a world to hurt.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> absolutely. Plus, look, if, if you don't have the contacts there, boots on the ground, someone to look at the property for you and someone that you can trust as far as a contractor... You know, people are going to take off with your money. I mean, how many times have we heard stories as far as that's concerned? So if you want to be an out-of-state investor, you should try to have family or contacts in that area. And what you really should do is go, you know, you think you want to invest in an area, maybe go spend a week in that area and look around, build relations, people out there and, you know, Obviously, you gotta really check on these people because, you know, if you're not checking on the people, you know, th- they're gonna take advantage of you. That's that's just the way people are. I, I wish it was a little bit different, but you gotta be realistic today as far as you know what's gonna happen out there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I really appreciate all of this inf- insight, uh, Fred. And uh, one more time, I want to remind everybody. Uh, EverestBusinessCapital.com. I warned you, Fred, we were probably going to chew up 30 minutes pretty quickly. With that, I do have a few rapid-fire questions, if you wouldn't mind uh, trying to tackle Mm -hmm.
1: a few of those. No problem.
0: So you're not allowed to say Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but what book do you recommend everybody checking out?
1: I, I think, you know, Think and Grow Rich is a very good book for people to read. I also like Brian Tracy. He's got a number of different books out there that are worth it for people to read. I mean, look, you got to keep, you know, a positive mindset about things. I mean, things are not always going to be a hundred percent perfect, but you can't
0: give up. You, you've brought up a couple of real estate investing myths already, you know, whether it's, uh, getting into real estate with no money down or what have you, is there any other real estate investing myths you'd like to bust right now? Um.
1: I mean, you, you do have to have some type of credit, and you do have to have halfway decent credit. I mean, sometimes I get people, well, I've never had credit before. I buy everything cash. I said, well, you know, that's fine, and that's well. You know what? Maybe just get a couple of credit cards, even if they're a $500 limit. Use it once in a while to buy some groceries or some gas or go out to dinner, and then when the bill comes... Just pay it off because some people are, I don't want to get into credit card debt. Well, you need credit to get credit. That's what some people don't seem to understand that.
0: What is the best piece of business advice you've ever received?
1: You know, um, don't ever give up on your dreams and stay positive with everything. And, you know, realize you're going to get more no's than yeses. It's just like you're looking at properties. You're going to make more offers. Than what you're
0: gonna find that that's another thing that I think needs to be stressed pretty easily, pretty pretty heavily is the is the whole real estate investing get rich quick. More times than not, they don't actually understand the level of work that it actually takes. You know, you might have to make a hundred phone calls, get ten of them to call you back, and one of them might end up being a deal. I mean, the level of effort there is is significantly more than a lot of the real estate gurus some of the real estate gurus might have you believe
1: yeah absolutely i mean it's it's that way even with sales i mean you're going to talk to more people who are going to tell you no than yes and you know that that's there, there's an excellent book out there it's called go for no uh, i think it's written by andrea waltz and i forget what her husband's name is it's really an excellent book for anybody to read who wants to be a real estate investor because you you are, you are in sales. I mean, everything in your life is sales in one form or another.
0: Sure. Well, what's the worst piece of business advice you've ever received?
1: That, that's a good question.
0: Yeah, I might drop this one because more times than not, people uh, say that uh, if it was a bad piece of advice, they kind of just – leave it to the wayside and move on. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, that, that's probably true. I mean, you know, so I'm not really sure, that, but, that, but that's a good question. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, if you, I, I guess I would say, look, if somebody tells you something and you don't feel like they gave you the right answer, push them a little bit more or talk to someone else to verify what they told you and see if it's something that makes sense.
0: Just put verify. Probably,
1: yep, that's exactly.
0: Yep. If you could go back into time and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be?
1: I wish, you know what, what, I mean, you know, I mean I bought it I remember I bought my first condo. I, I wish I had kept that condo and held on to it as far as a rental because, you know, it's worth three, four times what I bought for it. So, you know, the other thing is I, I wish in one respect, because I've seen some people who've done very well, they buy their first home, they buy a two-family or three-family. You know, as much as you don't want the tenants, you know what? It helps you pay the mortgage. And then, you know, then you could rent the whole house out, and then you could buy a single-family, or you could buy another multi-family again and do that so i mean you got to think that way as well
0: sure well fred like i said this was a great conversation was there a question or concept you wished we would have covered here today
1: yeah i mean i'll I'll just throw one thing out there because a lot of real estate investors use this particular program it's called an unsecured line of credit it's typically at zero percent interest 12 to 18 months, you know, it's typically in the name of the business. We don't verify income. And one thing I say to somebody, it's it's better to have money when you don't need it. So even if you say, gee, I don't need the money right now, you know what? If you qualify, get the money, you can always have the money sitting aside because you never know what's going to happen when you're in the game of real estate or you might come across a real good opportunity and you need money real quickly or something needs to be repaired. So that's something else that we can help real estate investors with as well.
0: Okay. Well, great. One more time. It's Everest. Tom, Fred, I really enjoyed our conversation here. I hope you'll come back sometime.
1: Sure, Jack. Thanks very much for having me.
0: If you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing,